What's up, everybody? I'm back, and on this week's episode, are Wimbledon ball kids assassins? Do I have a new best friend named Rufus? Stay tuned to find out on Challenging the Call. everybody doing? Welcome in to another episode of Challenging the Call. It's your boy. I'm back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, been on a, a little bit of a, a vacation mode, you know, needed, need a little bit of a break. Uh, just trying to regroup, um, take some time off. It was good. Did some traveling. Uh, saw the family, you know, gotta do what you gotta do, but, uh, checking in on you guys, on my tennis babies, what's up tennis babies? Yeah, I'm checking in on you. Uh, it's the middle Sunday of the championships. I'm speaking, of course, about Wimbledon. Wimbledon. The greatest tennis tournament. That there ever was. I don't know about that. But it is a very unique uh, tournament. And uh, it's the only major tournament where you don't play on the middle Sunday. Which leads us to tomorrow. Or today if you're listening to this on Monday. Manic Monday. God, they love to... All the like news people love to say Manic Monday. It is their favorite thing ever, and it's basically everybody plays on one day, and everybody loses their minds. Uh, it's a good, great lineup, um, not going to lie. Uh, Wimbledon's been pretty exciting so far. It's been pretty brutal. Uh, people are falling, had a lot of defaults, uh, I mean, Bethany Maddox Sands like ruptured her entire knee. That was pretty gruesome. Uh, almost as gruesome as watching Venus Williams cry in her press conference. Uh, don't know why they had to play that 17 times. Uh, both of those things were very difficult to watch, but we watched them. And I, I'm I'm kind of surprised. I feel like Wimbledon is the one time of the year where everyone pretends to care about tennis, which is fine. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. Uh, I'm happy that people are tuning into the sport, but it is rather funny to me when people are like, oh, did you catch that thing at Wimbledon? I'm like, I didn't even know you knew what tennis was, but now you're asking me about it? Cool. I mean, that's dope. So, I don't know if you everybody's been watching it, but it's uh, been pretty exciting. Obviously, the big four on the men's side still in the game. Um, Rafa, Roger, Djokovic, and Murray. Uh, all still in the draw. And uh, I think everyone assumes it's going to be kind of the final four. Uh, a lot of people are thinking it's going to be Nadal-Federer final. 
hoping at least. Uh, Djokovic is playing well though, and uh, Murray you can't ever count him out, especially with the crowd support he gets at Wimbledon. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, you know, we still got like Dominic Team still in there, Dangerous, uh, Burdick, and yeah, there's uh, you know on any given Manic Monday, as I say. Uh, on the women's side, uh, no one knows what's happening. Uh, no one can figure that one out. All the favorites seem to have lost. Kerber, which everyone assumed would lose early on, despite her number one ranking, is still in the tournament. Uh, playing pretty well. Uh, she comes up against Muguruza tomorrow, which I think is probably going to be her toughest test yet since she's playing very well. Venus Williams, the oldest person uh, still in the tournament, won Wimbledon six times. Surprisingly not the odds favorite at this point. Uh, that would go to Joan Conta, who's a British hopeful. So the crowds are pulling for her. I don't know. I, I think Venus definitely has a shot in the dark here. I mean, she seems to be playing well. Um, there's not a lot of stability. Um, anybody can kind of break down, I feel like. Uh, I thought I thought Pliskova was going to pull this one out. Honestly, I thought her play style suited the grass, uh, but maybe because of her height, she couldn't quite get down for the low balls. But... Um, yeah, no, nobody's nobody's calling for uh, for what they think is going to happen on the women's side. From what I can tell, most of the commentators are scratching their heads and saying, "Yep, oh, I don't know. Could be any of the sixteen still left in it." Uh, I think Wozniacki's still in it. She's you know proven to have results, not lately. Um, Honestly, Venus, I think, is the only one still in it that has won this tournament before. Uh, that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty special, I think, uh, despite, you know, what she went through recently. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, basically she was involved in a car accident that led to a fatality. Uh, she's not at fault, uh, from what I understand. Um, she had pulled into an intersection and somebody... Uh, the light went red while she was still in the intersection. Somebody um, hit her going in. So, unfortunately, uh, an older gentleman passed away and uh, through that accident. And so she's been, of course, dealing with that. And that's a difficult thing to get over when you're trying to play tennis matches and have to answer to the media, uh, hence the crying press conference. Uh Maddox Sands, as far as I know, her injuries are, you know, repairable, I guess you'd say. Obviously not ideal. Um, I know that was pretty pretty painful for her to go through and for us to watch for sure. So, But everyone's pulling for her that she can get back on the tour soon. Um, and, yeah. So I, I guess I wanted to go through 
since Wimbledon is kind of the subject of the times right now, I know it, it's kind of has this allure and it, it is a very unique tournament um, and sporting event in general. So I was just kind of looking through the old uh, the old interwebs, found some facts about Wimbledon that I find pretty fascinating. I think you guys will find these pretty fascinating. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of go through these, talk about them. And yeah, we'll just see what you guys think. Uh, yeah, so attendance for last year for the 14 days is almost half of a million people. 493,928. That's over the 14 days, so pretty good amount of people there. That's just attending, obviously. Uh, it's it's a cool venue, and, and they do a lot of uh, ticket resale um, to benefit charity. And so there's, you know, what I like is that when you see, this, like, everywhere in the tournament is filled almost, like, the stadiums are filled constantly. Um, because when you leave, if somebody's leaving for the day, they basically drop their ticket off. Uh, and somebody else can purchase that for like a highly discounted rate and all that goes to charity so that that seat is not empty. And uh, it, it provides, I think, a better environment for the players and, and for the fans as well and, and people watching on TV. It's like why you see it so, um, why it's filled from day one versus other places where, you know, companies buy up half the stadium and then you can't even get a ticket even though it's half empty, which is infuriating. Um, ball boys and ball girls. This is something that I think always stands out at uh, Wimbledon. And it, I found this figure to be quite amazing. Out of 750 entries... Only 250 ball kids are selected from 750. That's And they go through a rigorous training. And that's basically they start with 750 and then they're kicking out half of them. That's that's amazing. Um, so I think that's... It, it definitely put it sets Wimbledon apart. And it's one of those small things that you don't really think about. Um, when you're watching, uh, but it makes a big difference. I mean, they, they take a lot of pride in in how they operate, and it it definitely um, increases the value for the spectators and for the players, and um, to you know, obviously for the people that don't make it, that's unfortunate. But um, it it le levels or raises the professionalism which is you know obviously very very cool to watch and to kind of see people striving for their best in every aspect not just the players but also uh, the staff there um, they use for um, tennis balls uh, I don't know if you guys know this but tennis balls were originally colored white and they were changed to yellow to show up better for TV cameras. 
fun fact. And during Wimbledon, they use 54,250 tennis balls. And they are stored at a precise temperature of 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my gosh, this this tournament is so uptight about everything. But uh, And <laughs> the balls are changed in a match. When you're watching and they say, new balls, please. They are changed every... Um, seven games for after the first seven games and every nine games after that they change them after seven to begin with because of the warm-up period um and that's why they run through so many balls because they're changing them every nine games uh at the start of every day 48 tins are taken onto center court and the number one court and 24 tins are taken onto all outside court I don't know what a tin is, but I assume it's a case because that's not enough cans, I think, to sustain all the matches that they have. I don't know. This is all like a different language to me. I'm just reading this from the Wimbledon website, uh, but that's a lot of tennis balls. And uh, from there, I guess they get sold for two pounds per can of three so if you want to buy some used tennis balls i guess go for that uh i assume that's so they don't have to deal with <laughs> recycling them or throwing them out which is something I, i'm trying to figure out myself uh what do i do with 200 used tennis balls uh if you know hit me up because i got a lot of them if you if somebody wants them let me know I got a box full of them. Uh, I don't know. They got some like they have a lot of statistics about the audiences um, for the for the gentleman's final. I guess there's about thirteen point three million viewers peak. That's just on BBC though, so it's quite a few people, and I think it's going up year over year. So that's that's good. A lot of catering goes on. Obviously, the strawberries and cream is a big deal there. But uh, I think apparently uh, cups of tea and coffee are the most sold items at Wimbledon. 330000 So I'm sure they would be more if they were less expensive. But they have over about half a million people go and they only sell 330,000. Well, that's a pretty good amount. Um, 234,000 meals, 230,000 bottles of water, 110,000 pi 110, pints of, of beer and lager, 86,000 ice creams, 76,000 sandwiches. Wait, I thought... Is that different from meals? What's a meal? Then we have 30,000 pizzas. I guess those aren't considered meals. Oh, oh God. 25,000 scones. It's making me hungry now. 16,000 portions of fish and chips. That's a meal? What? What is the meal thing? Oh, I don't know the meals just like spaghetti and meatballs or what's going on here 
Oh, yes. The clothing of Wimbledon. The white dress. Did I hit record on this? I hope so. Okay, good. I'm recording. How much time am I? Oh, 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, all right. Clothing of Wimbledon. If you haven't noticed, you got to dress in all white. You got to dress in white to play at Wimbledon. So that we can focus more on the tennis. Uh... I don't know how I feel about this, to be honest. I I kind of like it, but then I kind of feel like it's boring. But the cool thing is about Wimbledon is they limit the sponsorship visibility on the courts, which I really appreciate. So I'm willing to deal with the white dress. That's fine. Um, it is a very classic look. And I don't know if I agree about the whole leveling th thing. Uh, they're saying it's it makes everybody equal. Uh, I mean, how much does the clothing really matter? I mean, obviously it limits the annoying patterns and colors and whatever. But at this at some point, it's it's kind of minor. I, I, for me, I've never been bothered by what my opponent was wearing. Um, so, sure, I guess you can argue that, but I've never heard a player complain either about. I know, I know, like broadcasters like to bring it up in the press conferences too. Oh, did you notice he was wearing skulls on his shirt? And he's just like, no, I was playing tennis. Like, you're not looking at somebody's dress. You're looking at the tennis ball. That's it. But that's all right. They got their rules, and um, you know we got to play along. Uh, no fluorescent colors allowed, but they do allow pastel colors if they're minor. I love also how the rules are. Uh, it started with the predominantly in white rule, <laughs> and then went to the almost entirely in white rule. That was in 1995. Uh, yeah. Also, a lot of white people that go to this tournament. But that's beside the point. Okay, moving right along. And we get to center court. 14,979 seats. Uh, pretty small i think well okay so the indian wells stadium which is one of the biggest i think holds 35,000 um and i think the us open stadium holds about 40,000 something around around those lines so you know it's not tiny but it's not large either um i have actually visited after the tournament um at wimbledon one year and it feels very intimate, which is, I think, one of the major appeals of this tournament. And uh, I hope I get to, you know, get to watch some matches there one day. But until um, then, it was still amazing to visit. They have a, a great muse tennis museum there. Um, the grounds are immaculate. Um, 
Yeah. Court covers. That's one thing you don't see in in every other tournament. Um, I'm amazed that there's actually people assigned specifically to cover courts. Uh, this happens overnight and also if there's any type of inclement weather. And it's actually a... Oh, there's different... Okay. So there's new trans... There's a translucent cover from 1998. And that took... That weighed one ton. And took 16 people approximately 30 seconds to cover the court. Wow. And then there's uh, air... There's actually fans blowing air underneath. Um, which is pretty amazing. Then there was a new translucent cover uh, established in 1999. They don't give the weight for that, but I guess it takes eight covers, and all other courts have six covers. So I don't know what you do to become a coverer, but maybe that's a more likely uh, position to get than ball kid, because apparently that's the toughest job in the world to get. Uh, maybe I'll apply next year. Let's see. We'll get back to you on that. 50,000 plants supplied each year. Wow. Then they tell me what type of ivy there is on center court. I guess some people want to know that. Um, if you're one of those people, ivy on center court is Boston ivy. Parthenicious. Trispidaca Vichy. Yeah, that's you're not you're not getting anything from that, but that's all right. Cause uh, just go to Wimbledon.com and you can look it up yourself. Oh yes, okay. We have landed. Oh wait, I gotta talk about this first. Sorry, I got a little I got a little excited. Uh, the playing height of the grass. <laughs> is eight millimeters and the grass courts are composed of a hundred percent rye grass i don't know what you're supposed to do with that but that's what it is if you're looking to maybe make your own grass court uh ask for some hundred percent rye grass and cut it to eight millimeters there you go this is my favorite thing wimbledon has a rufus and a rufus is a hawk a trained harris hawk that flies around every morning to deter local pigeons by making them aware of a predator on the grounds it flies for one hour at 9 a.m before the gates open this tournament has a freaking hawk that's amazing. Rufus. How do we not have t-shirts that have Rufus on it? Like, I would buy that. Freaking Rufus, man. Looking out for Wimbledon. Scaring away all the pigeons. I, honestly, I if you watch the qualifiers, and I think it takes place at a different site, Rufus is a bouncer, man, because at this other site, they got pigeons flying all over the place. Because they love, I guess, the, maybe there's seeds in the court. I don't know. 
but uh Rufus the homeboy Hawk is uh you know bouncing those pigeons out of there uh like a boss. Uh so shout out to Rufus. That's legit. I had, I had no idea that that had. I don't know how there hasn't been like an entire TV se- like can we get a reality TV series crew over there? We need to follow this hawk. We need to figure out what this hawk does on a day-to-day basis because I need to know. I'm going to do some investigative reporting on Rufus and uh I'll get back to you on that. Oh, the longest match. Well, most of us remember this. It was uh, between John Isner and Nicholas Mahout. And if you don't know, in the majors, they don't play a tiebreaker in the fifth set, which is why this is so amazing. This match lasted for 11 hours and five minutes. 11 hours. I played for three hours this morning. I feel like my arm is going to fall off. These guys played for 11 hours overnight they were playing. The score was 70-68 in the fifth set. Like, what? Rafa didn't even lose 68 games winning the French Open. (laughs) I think he lost 35 games to win an entire tournament, and this match was like quadruple that amazing the the last set the last set alone lasted eight hours 11 minutes i i don't even know i think like did they take naps i i mean obviously this was the match that spawned that hbo um mini movie oh god what was it called uh oh my gosh i'm completely blanking seven days in hell which honestly is is terrible is terrible movie but it's a little bit funny but it's kind of uh, i don't know i don't know if i've actually seen a tennis movie that really captured the sport in a, in a true way, you know? Um, and I'm actually going to have, just while I'm talking about it, I'm going to have um, my, my good friend JB on the podcast next week. And he was recently in a tennis movie. So we're probably going to talk about this, dive into this a little bit deeper. Um, so yeah, we'll circle back on that. Uh, let's see. Just go a little bit more. Matches. Uh, 674 during Fortnite. What does that mean? Uh, don't know. I guess that's through the whole tournament. Um, you know, British people, I guess. They know what during Fortnite means, but I don't. Uh, so if you know what that means, hit me up. Anyways, uh, moving on. Merchandise. Uh, wonder if you guys can guess what the, uh, most sold item at Wimbledon is. It's a towel. You know, 
because that makes sense. Uh, the Gentleman's Championship Towel, they sell a little over 18,000 of them. After that, a pin, 15,407. That seems likely since that's probably what most people can afford. I don't know how much the towel is, but I think it's like $80 or something. Uh, third on the list is the Ladies' Championship Towel at 10907 then we have the racket key ring, uh, 7,905, 7, a magnet at 6,944, a yellow autograph ball, and a men's classic logo navy cap, 5,451. That doesn't see, that's not that much, but I mean, I guess it's a lot. That towel, though, I mean, the ideal situation is you're close enough on one of the courts that somebody's just going to toss you one, but because like the players just toss them out like they're nothing most of the time. Um, but that's cool. I'd take a towel. I might, I might get a towel. I don't know. Middle Sunday. Hey, that's where we are right now. There's usually no place scheduled on Middle Sunday to allow the courts to recover from intensive use. I think somebody needs to rewrite this website, to be honest. There's usually no play schedule on Middle Sunday to allow the courts to recover from intensive use of Week 1 and be thoroughly watered to ensure optimum performance in Week 2. Uh, sometimes they do play on Middle Sunday uh, if there was rain or something that delayed the schedule. This has happened in 1991, 97, 2004 and 2016. Uh, we got all, all the sponsors, blah, blah, blah. It is amazing how they have, like, the ball sponsor began in 1902. That's how long this tournament's been going on for. Um, so that's pretty, it is something special. Um, as much as it's kind of a little bit stuffy, it's, it is definitely the, um, the quintessential tennis experience and i think that even if you're not a giant tennis fan i can see why you would get in uh to a tournament like this uh, just because it's it's one of those events it's like you know the super bowl or the world cup or something where it's it's there's something extra about i mean those events are like at least the world cup is like you know a giant tournament that involves teams from all over the world and and uh, is more like an olympic it's more of a nationalistic tournament i guess you'd say um but it, you know with tennis we have these four majors but everyone of course wants to crown one as like the tournament the thing and i don't know if there's if there could be an argument against it being wimbledon um Although I feel like it does sometimes use tradition as a way of stemming progress on some things. Um, but it's all right. You know, it's it's got its things and, and everyone kind of understands that. And uh, But it's it's a fun experience and it's they definitely take pride in their tournament and uh, making it a really friendly experience, I think. Um, 
and it it's not you know there's the royal box and all that stuff which is like kind of feels a little bit on the like come on we don't need a royal box anymore like it just seems a bit elitist it because it is elitist and oh you have to be specially invited to get the best seats on, on center court um so that's unfortunate but it is what it is and um you know i think every tournament has that and it maybe just isn't as wide open as it is at wimbledon so everything is as it is oh royal box there's there's even a fact and figure about the royal box it contains 74 dark green lloyd loom wicker chairs and then the queen attended in these years okay i don't care um oh but i did want to talk about the strawberries because it's pretty spectacular so i can't find it but they actually picked the strawberries that they're gonna serve that day at 4 a.m and bring them and and like wash them and and cut them up and bring them to the stadium um so they are the oh here it is uh, price for a portion of a minimum of 10 strawberries and cream at Wimbledon has remained at $2.50 per serving for seven years. Pretty good. Pretty reasonable. Get your 10 strawberries and some, some cream. Um, to ensure the utmost freshness, strawberries are picked at 4 a.m., collected from the packing plant at 9 a.m., and are delivered to the club by 11 a.m. for inspection and hulling. They are then enjoyed by guests on the same day. So if you're getting your strawberries at Wimbledon, you know they're fresh. And they are uh, grade one English strawberries of the highest quality from Kent. <laughs> it's so British. It's so British. But it's good. I mean, I'm sure it's tasty. Or they're picked at 4 a.m. So, you know. I don't know. Maybe the court covers go do that, and then, or is that how they pick who does the ball kidding? Who who's the ball boys and girls? They make them pick strawberries at four a.m. <laughs> oh man, that would be interesting to see what that training regime actually is, and how it is that like the Navy SEALs? Like, how are they dropping out that many people from seven fifty to two fifty? Like, how many people are they forcing to quit? That's amazing. Or do they just like you don't make the cut? We definitely don't see any like oversized ball kids at Wimbledon. Oops. Um I don't know. That's like that maybe is the deepest darkest darkest secret of Wimbledon. Uh, what is this secret ball kid training that they do? Um cuz I'm pretty sure they're trained assassins. Uh I'm like nine um like forty percent sure on that. But anyways, so the strawberries, um <laughs> they are from Leaf Registered Farms. Leaf is a charity promoting integrated farm management, balancing organic with chemical practices. Cool. That sounds good to me. Um 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is what I was talking about with the resales. So, uh, since 1954, money raised from return tickets has been donated to charity. Unwanted tickets recycled via collection from red boxes or barcode scan, and they're resold to people on the grounds. Uh, they're priced at ten pounds for center court and five pounds for a number one court seat. Oh no, ten pounds for center court and number one court, and five pounds for a number two court seat. Uh, the income they generated was a hundred and seventy thousand six hundred eighty-two pounds last year from resales. Um, because I'm assuming uh, the price is so low because it's probably you know, you get to catch, like, the second half of the last match or something. Uh, maybe if you're lucky, you get um, some tickets earlier in the day. But, you know, most people aren't, like, taking off unless they really have to. But that's still cool. I mean, you know, you could drop 15, 20 bucks uh, or, like, 10 bucks and, and get to catch the last half of a match on center court. Um, that's pretty special. And all the money goes to charity. Uh, so they were, and then the funds were matched by HSBC, the bank, which is a sponsor, which you wouldn't know because they don't actually have any branding on the courts, uh, which I can appreciate. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And yeah, 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 yeah. So that's my Wimbledon recap on, uh, this middle Sunday leading into, the Manic Monday. And I hope you guys get to catch some of that Manic Monday if you're not working too hard. Um, I will hopefully see a couple matches or DVR it and not sleep for seven days because I'll be watching that one day of matches. Uh, if you're in the U.S., it's all on ESPN. So check it out on the Watch ESPN app or... Um, on your cable, I guess. I'll probably just be watching it at work on my phone, as I usually do. Uh, don't tell my bosses. Uh, it's all good. Um, I still get my work done. And, yeah. Uh, I think that's it for um, today's podcast. Uh, look forward to next week. Get to check in uh, with JB. See what he's up to and talk about tennis and film. I think there's some other films coming up that we're going to touch on. And, yeah, sorry I um, I kind of abandoned you guys there for a little bit. Didn't mean to do that. Uh, just needed a little bit of a reset button um, so I could get back in the game. Uh, I appreciate the reviews uh, on the podcast on iTunes. Uh, yes, I know my voice puts you to sleep. It's all good. Uh, hopefully today's episode was a little bit more high energy. And yeah, as always, um, please don't, um, please feel free to interact with me on, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, hit me up if you have any suggestions for the podcast, you just want to say, hey, uh, or you just want to be like, hey, you're dumb. Okay, cool. Uh, if you want a one-star review, that's cool. But five stars is better. You know? All right. 
that's Lewis signing off on uh, this episode of Challenging the Call.